So, um, here in New York, it's sleeting. It was sleeting. It was gloomy. It was cold. And I couldn't help but reflect today that we've been through such a long, it's really a storm that we've been through together. And you don't come out of a storm the same way that you went in. I don't know if you've noticed that. And I thought that rather than give you a lecture, I would share a little bit of a story that I, at least, were my favorite kind of story when I was young was a story about someone who would go off seeking treasure and go through all kinds of unexpected twists and turns and downright hell at times to find it. And one of my favorite variants of that, which I am freely adapting and radically truncating, involves a shepherd, a young shepherd in Spain named Santiago, who would often sit at the base of a sycamore tree near a ruined church where he would dream. He would have a repeated dream and vision of a treasure that waited for him at the base of the Great Pyramids. And he was so haunted by the persistence of this dream and the sense that he had to make this journey to get that treasure that he consulted a gypsy woman who encouraged him to go. And then there was another magical old man who also encouraged him. So he sold his flock and off he went. And he got as far as Morocco when he was robbed of all his money. Don't you hate when that happens? And it may not happen. You may not have had the experience of being robbed. I've been pickpocketed. But you may have had another kind of mugging or robbery or great upsetting loss. So you can relate to that feeling he had of being completely violated and all his plans upended. And he had to take a job. And he had to work for a year where he had to recoup his money. And he did. He did. He rebuilt his life. And off he went again in pursuit of his dream. And he joined a caravan. He was going to great extremes to find the treasure that he yearned for inside. And of course, this wasn't going to come smooth. They come to an oasis in the middle of the Sahara where he meets an Englishman who, you know, they popped up everywhere. They were a great 
colonizers who told him about a famous alchemist. And he was going off in pursuit of this alchemist and invited Santiago to join him. But as they prepared, and this elusive alchemist was close by, Santiago himself had a vision that this oasis was about to be attacked. It was something inside him, he had a feeling. And lo and behold, it was. But thanks to Santiago, they had time to prepare. So this got the attention of the alchemist. And here I'll step up my story, because I know you didn't come here to spend all day listening to a shaggy dog story. The point is that this wise teacher was intrigued by a young man who could listen to his heart, who could trust a prompting from inside. So the alchemist decides to go with Santiago to the pyramids. And on the way, he teaches him how to turn lead into gold, which is the prize of the alchemist path. But no sooner do they begin to approach the pyramids when yet again they are ambushed. Of course they are. Just when you think you're about to be happy and achieve the balance and harmony and receive the treasure you deserve, something blows out all the smithereens. So they're ambushed by Arabs. And the alchemist says, oh, you should be careful because this man, Santiago, in three days' time will become a great wind and blow you all away. And, and they imprison the two and, and leave them. And Santiago is like, what the hell? I don't know how to do that. And the alchemist just kind of leaves him to it. And I've been thinking about that state which is so close to my heart right now. And I wonder if you can relate to this. Have you ever had a moment, especially in the past year, when you felt completely incapable of dealing with life? You take an objective assessment of yourself your mental capacities, your emotional capacities, and your physical strength, and you conclude that you just aren't up to it. <laughs> you just can't do it. And this is how Santiago felt. And he plunged into a state that I at least can relate to. And this, mind you, this is my adaptation of the story. That sleepless state where you just have to confront not just your incapacity, but all your unfinished business. And that you have to conclude that you are so wounded and so 
maladaptive. That it's just not gonna go anywhere. And then he reached a moment very similar to the moment I at least have reached, and I suspect you have too, of complete letting be. Just let it be. I'll just be alive. I'll just be open to receive. And lo and behold, a great wind came up, a great force of life, and everything changed. And the Arab captors were so impressed, they let them both go the alchemist and, and Santiago. And the alchemist parted with him here. And he went to the base of the pyramids where once again, robbers came just as he's digging for treasure. Once again, just like in our lives, it's always something. It's always something. You just about have harmony and peace and happiness and something happens. So in a, in a fit of, I've had it, Santiago said, look, I'm here because I have a dream that there is a treasure waiting for me at the foot of the pyramids. And the two robbers decide that he's not worth bothering with because if he had money, why would he be pursuing his dream and digging? And the robber, one of them turns to him and says, you know what, dreams are so stupid because all my life I have been plagued by a dream that at the foot of a sycamore tree in the ruins of a Spanish church, a great treasure waits for me. And so Santiago got it and went home and dug up his treasure. It took all of that to find what was waiting for him at the foot of that tree. And there are all kinds of versions of this story. And for today, just for today, because it's really an inexhaustible story, I would like to share that for me, the meaning of the story is that it's just those moments when we have exhausted all the hopes that we've placed in striving, in thinking, in grasping, in getting, when we just See and feel how it feels to be here with no more judgment. And whether it's that feeling of, I can't do this, or that feeling of, I'm so defended, it will never end. Or that feeling of obsessiveness or sorrow whatever it is, or loneliness, when we're just with that for a moment, something opens 
inside. And we begin to remember that we're alive. And then like everybody else in the world, we have a capacity to open, to receive a treasure that's like a light of attention, something that's inside and also outside, something that's in us that is so much more than our judgments of ourselves. So let's, let's take a seat and see if there's anything to this. And we take a comfortable seat. And notice what's comfortable for you. And we let our back be straight, as straight as we can. We let our head and neck be free at ease. And just notice how it feels to be here without thinking, without analyzing, just notice how it feels. Begin to see that as we bring attention to the sensation of being present in a body, it begins to relax us. to soften us. And notice that as we open to sensation, we also open to an attention that sees without judging. Seeing that there's something inside us that can let everything be just like this.
notice that when your thoughts begin to capture your attention, you can gently come back again to sensation, to the body, and the present moment. Let yourself rest in stillness. Just sinking into the sensation of how it feels to be here today. Notice that there's a presence here, an attention inside and surrounding you that doesn't judge, it just sees. And notice that you can come back anytime and be welcomed 
my presence. Notice that everything, anything you might be feeling or thinking is completely acceptable to the light of this presence, this attention. Nothing excluded. Notice how it feels to come home to presence. To come back to sensation and open to an attention that doesn't judge.
And notice as you give yourself to this stillness and this presence, you open open to life inside and outside. No matter what you're thinking about or feeling, you can come home to sensation and this presence that sees without judgment. It's right here, right now. that when you come back to sensation and open to attention, you feel less alone.
noticing that you're part of life. Open to it. Held. Noticing how it feels to be completely acceptable. Every thought, feeling, impulse. Acceptable to be seen by a presence that doesn't judge. Letting yourself be touched by stillness.
accessing the life inside and outside. Thank you for your practice, for your attention. And if you have any questions or observations about the practice, we'd love to hear them. Thank you, Tracy. I, I love that story. Um, because I feel like in many ways, that story has been my journey in my life. Um, what I mean by that, and perhaps, you know, I'd love to hear what, what you think of it. Because what I learned in this past year with this pandemic is, is that I realized before then, with a very full life that I feel very blessed in a way that everything I've wanted in my life, I've been able to achieve in the material sense, in this creation, in this world. And yet there's a, there hasn't really been a level of satisfaction. There's always been the belief that there's satisfaction in that. And almost like the story of, of his journey of going to that place, getting to that destination where he got there, got the treasure, he'd be happy. And 
what I've seen and realized in this past year is that there's the realization that nothing in this creation, things that I dream about or anything else like that is really going to make me happy. It might, it might in a, in a, in a uh, temporary kind of sense, but the real treasure has always been here within me, perhaps. Right, not perhaps, I don't even want to say that, but it's there, it's there. And yet, there's always, I can say it, I can say it in front of everyone here, but yet there still is the mind that, that seems to not want to accept that and keeps me still dreaming about things and wandering and, and hoping and things like that, but it's just right here in the now in the present and I have to be reminded about that. That's what keeps me coming back to, to, to these, these, um, these kind of meetings, reading the, you know, your publication Parabola with, and I think that's the secret perhaps um, and, and, and things like that. And I just find that, that that's it, that, that nothing is gonna make me happy in this creation ultimately. And, and, and in some ways that's, that's liberating and, I, and that's that's the way I see the story. Yeah, but what's interesting about stories like that is, and even the story of the Buddha, is that I can honestly say I've never identified with the story of people getting everything, they, accomplishing what they want, and finding it a hollow. Um, and for me, it's a story of um, upheaval after upheaval after upheaval and disappointment after disappointment. And I'm not saying that you, your sense and your story is wrong, but the I think what's juicy and interesting, not just about, and I freely adapted the story, so I could get sued, I hope not. But um, even the story of the Buddha is the idea of whether you achieve what you set out to achieve or whether your heart has been broken time and again. And time and again, you feel that you've fallen short no matter what, what is held out is the promise that you are more than you think you are. There is within you an attention, a capacity to open, to receive, a presence. These things I keep repeating, they're not out there somewhere. In at the foot of the pyramids, they're in you. And that, in my experience, it's often precisely at the moment when I feel most bereft, most at a loss, when I can glimpse for a moment another life and not in the sense of in some other place, but right here, 
right now I could be living, and I do at moments, in a different way. And for many of us, um, including myself, this time of pandemic have brought moments of tremendous loneliness and a sense of upheaval in the world and a sense that nothing will ever go back to normal, that there's been a great storm and, and it will never be the same. And this is an opportunity to see that it's precisely in those circumstances when you will see once and for all, just in moments, what it means to turn lead into gold, which is those moments that really feel like lead, that you have nothing and there is nothing to look forward to except bad news. That life can sometimes have a quality of like almost like a horror film. And right in the grip of that, right in the midst of that, you notice fleetingly, but indelibly, that there is within you this capacity to open your heart, to be with what is, to glimpse a light that has nothing to do with win or lose, that opens wide. So I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Harley, but I'm saying it's the story is that, as the Buddha said, and it's my favorite quote, even if it turns out to be apocryphal, it's still my favorite quote, and I'm sticking to it. The Buddha said, whatever you think the truth is, it's other than that. Whatever you think the truth is, it's other than that. And if this time that we've shared has taught us nothing else, it's that in circumstances where so much has been taken from us and from others more painfully, we can find something that maybe we could find no other way the treasure that we contain. Yeah. Uh, hey, Tracy, um, I always love when you tell a good story. It's just, it's a real treat. Um, every week's a real treat, but treat, but I always love a good story. Um, when you first, when you read, it's been a while since I've read The Alchemist. Um, 
but were there ever clues along the way in the story or your story of that the treasure is under the sycamore tree or was it always just the big surprise at the end? I can't remember. Well, I, it's been years since I read it and I like looked at a little thing of the plot which I really adapted, but I think it's a big surprise at the end. But, and to, you know, you know, fulfilling my job here, I would say is don't you find that every time you find out the treasure's right here, it's a big surprise. Every time. It's like something, you know, in Zen, it's like, um, where do you go from the top of an 800-foot pole? Or as we would say, more familiar language to us, I'm at the end of my rope. And there's just nowhere left to go. And we just drop. And the surprise sometimes is that we drop into this light. And it can be so fleeting. It's just this moment. You could be lying in bed having insomnia. And suddenly, ah, you just let go. And you you feel the madness. And you're aware of your breathing. And just for a fleeting moment, there's this knowing of awareness. That even if all your plans are have gone awry, or in other cases, even if you've achieved everything you want to achieve and you find it hollow, there's this thing that you've overlooked until now that you could be a warm-hearted, open, attentive human being moment by moment by moment. So that's my indirect and evasive answer. <laughs> I think it's a big surprise. It's like Einstein famously said, we can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. The same, there are moments, and we usually find them in moments of emptiness or despair when we let go of thinking and just open to being present to presence, and then sometimes fresh insight appears. Do you find that? It's like this radical possibility. Oh, I can just be nobody for the rest of my life. 
it's a, I've actually had this reflection like, well, you know, I've concluded that the product of being Tracy has been an utter failure, <laughs> complete, <laughs> irredeemable. And then it will dawn on me in the midst of, you know, the drama will die out a little bit that I could just be a warm-hearted human being. And, well, what do I do now? Well, I could be another pair of hands on the bucket brigade. I've repeated this too often, but, but you know, I could just be responsive to what is needed next. And wouldn't that be something? And just completely give up the project of being a person, personage. Sounds good. <laughs> so, Tracy, um, I'm, I'm in the midst of wanting to be warm-hearted and open, just purely non-self with a friend who's going through just catastrophe, medical catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe. And um, instead I get self-conscious. I wanna, I can't tell whether you know, she's, I just feel like I, she doesn't really say what she wants. And then I just go into the storyline and the, and then I think to myself, you know, what you just said is really what I want. You know, let go of the project of how I'm supposed to do it and just be responsive in whatever way I'm going to be called upon and not be all personal about it. Yeah, and we've—I think we've all had something similar. Um, and I think I find the only thing that works is bringing the attention to myself. Like on Valentine's Day, we were talking about, darling, I'm here for you. If you bring that loving, accepting attention to yourself, and um, in your awkwardness, you're feeling that you're being awkward or you're terribly <laughs> conflicted about it and all the stuff that comes up. Um, the embarrassment, this is um, a practice that helps us bear the embarrassment of being us. And really, with as we learn at moments, 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 don't strive for long stretches of really being able to bring this kind and accepting attention to yourself. And not just on the cushion when you're being still and you can't cause any trouble, but all the time, you know, random moments. And, and practice letting it be okay. 
that you're just like this. And even if you feel like you've said the wrong thing and you've done the wrong thing and here comes all those impulses again to fix or flee or whatever it is, can you just for a moment bring a kindliness and an open attention to that? And as our attention opens, then we can open to, you know, our deeper, not just our deeper goodness, but our vulnerability in all its scale. Does that make sense? Just keep, you can't go wrong if you keep the attention on yourself. Right. It sounds so un-Buddhist. You know, or you know, counterintuitive, but you're bringing this attention to yourself, taking care, and then you can become available. Right. And if I'm not wanted or needed to be available, then to just be accepting of that, you know, this is very hard and very complicated for this family. Yeah. 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 And just keep taking care of so your unhurt feelings if they don't want you to save them and everything moment by moment by moment that can come up to just see, see, see. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it's a practice, ultimately, for us to really be human with each other and with ourselves. Noticing as we do that, that that there's a kind of harmony in us that we never could have imagined. We keep trying to achieve it. And it turns out that when we let ourselves be, this kind of harmony appears. That's natural. Meaning, you know, head, heart, body, there's something in us that wishes to be fully present and responsive. And it just takes letting ourselves alone in the best sense. It can feel like, oh my God, I'm going to need to call in a bomb squad to like, like, defuse myself, you know, or like I'm a bomb and it's, I could be detonated and I need someone to very skillfully cut the right wires and it's, and all this. We can be very anxious, but all it can take, and I'm not saying it's quick, are these moments of practicing just letting be, letting be. And just trusting that things will open.
So we're going to take a seat um, just for a moment and put two hands together if we wish to, like people from ancient times on their long trips. And we dedicate this beautiful practice that we've shared to the benefit, the welfare, and the happiness of all beings everywhere, with no exceptions. May all beings everywhere know how to be with suffering and be completely free. Thank you. Thank you, noble friends. Thank you.